0: Now Jacob lifted his eyes
1: and looked, and there Esau was coming, and with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants, and he put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then he crossed over before them, and bowed himself to the ground seven times, until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him, And embraced him, and fell on his neck, and kissed him, and they wept. And he lifted his eyes, and saw the women and children. Who are these with you? The children, whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maidservants came near, they and their children, and bowed down. And Leah also came near with her children, and they bowed down. Afterward, Joseph and Rachel came near, and they bowed down. What do you mean by all this company which I met? These are to find favor in the sight of my lord. I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. No, please. If I have now found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand. Inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God and you were pleased with me. Please. Take my blessing that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. So he urged him, and he took it. Then Esau said, Let us take our journey. Let us go, and I will go before you. My lord knows that the children are weak, and the flocks and herds which are nursing are with me. And if the men should drive them hard one day, all the flock will die. Please let my lord go on ahead before his servant. I will lead on slowly at a pace which the livestock that go before me and the children are able to endure until I come to my lord and see her. Now let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. What need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. And Jacob journeyed to Succoth built himself a house, and made booths for his livestock. Therefore the name of the place is called saketh Then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padom Aram, and he pitched his tent before the city. And he bought the parcel of land where he had pitched his tent from the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for one hundred pieces of money. Then he erected an altar there, and called it Elilohe Israel.
2: God is known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But until that last verse there, verse 20, he was known as the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. And then Jacob recognized him as his God. El Eloi Israel. God, the God, El, the God of Israel, which is the name that the Lord gave him the night before this happened. What an amazing story. In our journey through the book of Genesis, we've been following the family of Abram, Abraham, Isaac and Rebekah and Sarah and Sarai, and now Jacob and Leah and Rachel and their sons. Jacob betrayed his brother, tricked his father, stole his brother's uh, blessing, through trickery and deception, and cheated his brother out of a birthright by using his brother's weaknesses against him, and then fled for his life because his brother wanted to kill him. For 20 years, he's been gone, and now the Lord has told him it's time to go back. He left with nothing but his staff, just a stick and the clothes on his back. Now he comes back with a huge entourage. 11 sons and a daughter and two wives and two maidservants. And he is blessed. And he's on his way to reconcile with his brother, and it's a very scary thing. But he's doing it in obedience to God. Who knows, reconciliation is the will of God. It is the will of God. And so he comes down south across the Euphrates. I mean, he's 500 miles from his original home. Comes down, and there he meets Esau, who comes up to meet him. He had sent messengers ahead to find Esau to say, hey, your brother's got gifts for you. He's on his way to reconcile with you. And they returned to Jacob and said, Esau's on his way to meet us with 400 men. Boy, don't you know that was a scary thought. It turned into this. He went running to meet him. He began to embrace him and fall on his neck and kiss him. Now Jacob had lost his prideful swagger. He's now a man who's limping, and uh, God had done a number on him. And he sends all these gifts ahead of him, and then he arranges his family in the order of preference, his preference, which came back to haunt him later on in the story, And then he goes ahead of them to meet his brother. And to his amazement and our amazement in the story, Esau runs and hugs him and kisses him. And it's a joyous occasion. And he asked Esau, who are all these people? And Jacob said, this is the family that God had blessed me with. And what is all this stuff I've been seeing? Cows, donkeys, camels, sheep. Goats, servants, what's all this? This is for you. Oh, I don't need it. I've got plenty. The highlight of the story for me is in verse 11. Jacob says to Esau, the one whose blessing he had cheated him out of, and then he, because of his own trickery, had to flee for his life, so he didn't get to enjoy that blessing. He says, please take my blessing that is brought to you. It's huge. It's huge. Please, here's my blessing. He's blessing Esau back because God has dealt graciously with me. He tasted the grace and love of Almighty God. I don't know about you, but I get disturbed when I hear preachers say the God of the Old Testament was a monster. No, 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 no. There were times to judge nations that he's a God of love and grace, and this guy unworthy as he was, had been dealt with graciously by the Lord. Anybody here tasted the grace of God in your life? And I have enough. I can afford to give you what I've given you. Here's my blessing to you. I cheated you out of your blessing. (laughs) Here's my blessing to you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that we would glean truth that will affect all of our lives in jesus name amen we're on a journey through genesis called jesus in genesis the roots of the gospel a few weeks ago i spoke on the art of peacemaking 101 this could be called the art of peacemaking 102 but we're going to call this sermon the ministry of reconciliation paul wrote in his second letter to the corinthian church in chapter 5 He says, now all these things are from God, the fact that we're new creations in Christ, the fact that we're blessed, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. That's what Jesus did for us. And then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus brought us back to God, and now he's given us a ministry of bringing others back to God. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, And he has committed to us the word or the ministry or the message of reconciliation. So we're called to tell people God's not holding their offenses against them, but he's made a way through faith in the sacrifice of his son on a cross for them to be redeemed from the penalty of sin. Sin separates us from God and from one another. And so now that we've been reconciled to God, God calls us to be reconciled to one another. The closer we get to him, the closer we get to each other, right? Which means we cannot hold things against people. We gotta let them go free. Now, everybody doesn't live like this. That's the real world. But we're called to live like this. We're called to be like the cross vertical and horizontal. Vertical, connecting with God, and horizontal, connecting with our fellow man. Jesus said it like this in John 13, a new command. Can we say a new command? A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. The old command was to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And some people won't obey that because they don't think they love themselves enough. When I love myself enough, then I'll start loving other people. Well, Jesus kind of short-circuits that doctrine with love one another as I have loved you. Did he love us? Love one another as I have loved you. So you must, this is a command, you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I think this message today is very timely because we have come through a very controversial, divisive season. Yeah. And it's really easy to get offended during seasons when things are divisive. People would jump at the occasion to throw you in their basket for things that they deplore. I can't believe you're one of them. And then there you go. You've been, you've been labeled. Yeah. This is the will of God. That is not. He prayed... Prior to his death, in John 17, my prayer is not for them alone. He was praying for the 11, the 12. (laughs) One did not heed his commands and turned himself off. So he prayed for his disciples. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. We have the New Testament because of their message. That all of them may be one. That's his will for us all. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. So what I glean from these two passages from John 13 and John 17, the world knows we're his disciples by our love for one another and the world will believe that the Father sent Jesus by our unity. Unity is very important. Peter in his first letter chapter 3 said finally all of you be of one mind having compassion for one another love as brothers be tender hearted be courteous not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling yes that's true but if they deserve it i'm going to revile them that's not what it says there's no loopholes here folks but on the contrary blessing you want to be contrary be contrary by not returning evil for evil. You kill my dog, I'm not going to kill your cat. But on the contrary, blessing. So when evil happens, what do we do? Bless. When reviling happens, what do we do? Bless. Not with an attitude, well, God bless you, you know. <laughs> you must be a joy to live with, with your attitude. No, we, we bless. We could be You know, under our breath, Lord, I just pray you bless this poor person. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Who wants to inherit God's blessings? Who wants to close the door to unnecessary attacks from the enemy? Yeah, sometimes he has to attack because that's what he does, right? But we have the victory in Christ. But if we just open the door to him, he's like water. He's going to come in. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. Who wants the Lord to hear your prayers? But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, sometimes we think, doing evil is justified if we have been mistreated, right? We like to watch those movies where the good guy got the bad guy, right? But that's not really biblical. There's only one good guy that gets the bad guy, and that's God. Judgment is mine, and I will repay, he says. So I'm speaking to you today along these lines on the ministry of reconciliation. Personally, I have lived in this for years, 35 years ago. Uh, the Lord led us to leave our denomination, much to the chagrin of our kinfolks. And there was an ugly phone call one day in January of 1986. I'll never forget it. And my father predicted my moral downfall, and my mother predicted, Uh, asked us not to take our children with us because they must go to heaven. So they were very upset. And so it was intense there for years. And the Lord gave me a 12-point plan on how to relate to them, how to honor the disrespectful family members, how to honor your parents as an adult. And six points really kind of summarizes them all. One, I was to never speak evil of them ever. Number two, I was to pray for them daily. Number three, when disagreeing with them, I was to be kind but firm. Number four, I was to go see them at least once a year, and they live 900 miles away. Number five, I was to remember special days. If it was Father's Day, Grandparents' Day, Mother's Day, birthday, anniversary, Christmas, every excuse you have for Hallmark business, that was the assignment. Now, did we walk in it perfectly? No, but in our tempted obedience, as the Lord enabled us, it paid off. He also gave me a word of wisdom. When things would go south in a conversation, I would simply say this and would calm down. I'd say, Dad, Mom, the story's not over for any of us, including us and you. They say, yes. And the day will come when you will know that you have not failed as a father. That was the real issue anyway, thinking he hadn't done a good job and trying to make up for lost time and hadn't indoctrinated us enough and all that. And so, Fast forward at their funerals, my kids shined like lights because we never spoke evil of them. And they knew they were difficult people. But the Lord brought through to where they were able to come and minister here. Y'all knew them. My dad would preach and behave himself and do a good job and edify people. So reconciliation is possible. Does that mean we, you, will, you have a hope of agreeing on every single thing that should have happened differently? No. That's like wanting a different past. That doesn't work. There's no sense in pining for a better past. It is what it is. Now what are we going to do? And you can live in peace by learning to agree to disagree. That's why I'm still married. (laughs) (laughs) All right, back to our story here. In Genesis chapter 33. The ministry of reconciliation does these nine things. The ministry of reconciliation reconciles honestly with the Lord. We must be reconciled to him first. He's first, amen? So the night before this event, he's wrestling with this man who's an apparition of God, a theophany is what we call him, an angel of the Lord. And um, Jacob tells him, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He had tried to bless himself his whole life and met nothing but heartache. I need your blessing. And so the Lord asked him, what is your name? And here's the reconciliation, Jacob. His name meant trickster. (laughs) The slick guy. You may not want to buy a car from him. Oh, you wanted an engine in it? It's not on the contract. He was that kind of guy but he admitted who he was, and the Lord changed his name and pulled his hip out of socket during that same wrestling match. Reconciled with God. The ministry of reconciliation receives courage because of the identity God has given us. He said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. And Jacob walked in that new identity. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. I'm not who I was. I am who I am. I is who I is. And I know I'm not who I'm going to be, but I am on my way. Amen. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Part of the problem is people look at us through the eyes of the past, and they don't give us room to grow. And they're stuck. But you don't have to be held captive by someone else's unforgiveness. But you got to forgive to let them go free. Amen. I understand there was an ancient culture. If a person was convicted of murder, they would just tie the dead carcass on that person's back. And as that person began, began to decay, the corruption would go into the body of the murderer and eventually... What killed that person killed them, death. So when we won't forgive, we're hauling around a carcass. It's not good. Unforgiveness is like acid that does more damage to the vessel in which it is stored than it does on the one on whom it is poured. The ministry of reconciliation reaches towards one's foe with true humility. He crossed over before his family and bowed himself to the ground seven times, can you say extreme, until he came near his brother. I mean, he went down to the ground. It wasn't just a, you know, a polite gesture or a curtsy. He went down, humbling himself, wanting to be reconciled. Well, I'm right, so I don't have to humble myself. Do you want to be right, or do you want to be reconciled? That's, that's a word for us all. The ministry of reconciliation relates to the estranged with great respect. They may not be worthy of it, but you relate to them respectfully. Jacob said, No, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I have seen the face of God and you were pleased with me. What? I saw, I thought Esau was ungodly. Well, God, God is who he is and he saw a miracle. He saw the hand of God at work in Esau's presence that Esau was glad to see him. I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God. Look at what John wrote in his first letter, chapter 4. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So God is invisible. Unless he makes himself visible as an angel, we cannot see him, right? Yet we love him, do we not? But why can't we love everybody who's created in his image? Jacob did. 20 years you have kept me away from my mama, and now she's dead and I'll never see her again. 20 years of your bitterness, why didn't you come for me? He didn't play that game. It's time to be reconciled. Let's move on. I've seen your face as though I've seen the face of God. So how much do you love God? In reality, the way God sees it, we love him as much as we love one another. This is how people know we love God, by our love for one another. The ministry of reconciliation rights real wrongs with personal resources. Yeah, I hear you, but this person's really wrong. Yeah, well, they're really wrong. But... You must invest something personally if you want to be reconciled. Please take my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me because I have enough, so he urged him. This was Jacob's blessing that God graciously blessed him with, giving it away. I mean, it's a substantial get, blessing. Over 550 animals plus the camel colts. So it could be 600 animals that you can breed i mean he puts his brother in the ranching business his brother was a hunter but now he's going to be a farmer and with 400 men i think he can pull it off it's a great story a testimony to the world of what god can do between two brothers sibling rivalry is a problem it is it's huge it's real in the world And yet, when the Son of God came to minister, he used James and John, brothers, Peter and Andrew, brothers, and his own brothers got on board after after the resurrection. James and Jude wrote books in the New Testament. So he's all about brothers reconciling. And he uses brotherly love as an example as to how we're to love one another. We're brothers in Christ, but in our natural families, we can be double brothers, right? Brothers in the flesh, brothers in Christ. Our brothers in the flesh have no right to hold us back, have no right to make us view their enemies as our enemies. No, they did us wrong. You know, no, you, that's, a, that's clannishness. That's not kingdom. If my brother has a problem with somebody, it's his problem. I can encourage him if he lets me to somehow find a way to reconcile in the situation. But his enemies are not my enemies. If I'm to pray for my enemies, if I'm to bless my enemies, this is Jesus talking here, if I'm to (laughs) lay down my life for those who misuse me, then really we're not allowed to see people as our enemies. Half the New Testament is written by a former enemy of the church who at one time in his life would have had arrest warrants for us all. The ministry of reconciliation reinforces the future with healthy boundaries. Esau said, let us take our journey. Let us go. I will go before you. Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are weak and the flocks and the herds which are nursing are with me. And if the men should drive them hard one day, all the flock will die. Please let my Lord go on ahead before his servant. I will lead on slowly at a pace which the livestock That go before me and the children are able to continue. So, sure, they reconciled, but they still had healthy boundaries. Good fences make good neighbors. So, when you reconcile with someone you've been estranged with, you don't move in their house. That's asking for trouble. (laughs) You keep Jesus in this situation. You know what I mean? So the future was secure. They never got into fights again because of their healthy boundaries, okay? The minister of reconciliation recalls one's own promises with wise caution, okay? He said, I'm gonna lead on slowly at a pace, and then he said, until I come to my Lord in Seir. Now, some commentaries say Jacob is being Jacob again. Here he lies to his brother To get him away. I want to reconcile with you, but I don't want anything to do with you. Could be true, but the Bible doesn't say that. Well, it doesn't say he went to see him. Well, he obviously wouldn't take that whole entourage into the mountainous area. If you've heard of Petra, Petra means rock. That's an area in uh, Jordan where Edom's family, Esau's family lived they were cave people. This is not a good ranch country. I don't know what Esau was going to do with his gifts, but he could maybe trade him in for some new guns or something. But. <laughs> but maybe Jacob did go see him. Or maybe eventually they met at dad's funeral, and it was no longer necessary. We don't know, but you've got to be careful with the promises you make to people you've reconciled with. Otherwise, the enemy would love nothing better than to bring up the old mess again. Right? So be careful with what you promise. Keep your boundaries healthy. The ministry of reconciliation retains our household with good independence. Esau said, Now let me leave you some of the people who are with me. But he said, What need is there? Jacob said, Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir, and Jacob journeyed to Sukkot, built himself a house, and made booths for his livestock. Sukkot means booths. One of the Jewish festivals each year is the festival of Sukkot, where they make booths or arbors in their yard or on their rooftops and stay there for a few days, remembering their journey through the wilderness. So he didn't depend on his brother's resources. He didn't... Say, hey, I'd like to buy that car from you. I saw this in my own family. Members would reconcile and then sell one another's stuff, and it goes south again. <laughs> just don't. Just keep healthy boundaries, and don't go into business together if there's been a problem. Just be sweet and love one. Why can't we just be folks and have a barbecue, and then go back to pursue the calling that God has for us? The ministry of reconciliation remembers God's promise with real investment. Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. He finally made his way to Canaan land when he came from Paddan Aram, and he pitched his tent before the city, and he bought the parcel of land where he had pitched his tent from the children of Hamor, Shechem's father. Uh Uh-oh, we'll see that name next week. For 100 pieces of money. So like his forefathers, he bought land in the promised land. Now here's my opinion. He should have made a beeline to go see his dad. Chapter 34 may not have happened had he done that. I mean, he deceived his dad. I mean, how bad can you get? You know, he needs to be reconciled with his dad. So when you reconcile, be thorough you want to close all the doors to the enemy. That's a point that I didn't think of before. The ministry of reconciliation reveres God with worshiping who he is. There, where he bought the land, he erected an altar and called it El Eloi Israel. El, the God of Israel. And finally, he did go see his dad The ministry of reconciliation restores relationship with the whole family. In chapter 35, two chapters later, Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, where Abram had dwelt. And when he died, him and Esau buried their dad. This is an example of the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation. This is the will of God. May God apply these lessons to our lives. Well, I don't remember all nine of those. Well, which one sticks out to you is the one to hold on to. The notes are in your bulletin. One to hold on to you, and the Lord can lead you the rest of the way. The Old Testament says in Psalm 133, this is the whole psalm, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon, that's a mountain, descending upon the mountains. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So what's the source of the rivers that originate in Colorado? Colorado. The snow on the mountains melting comes down, hits the streams, the streams converge, become a river. What's the source of God's blessing in our life? God Himself. But what can hold it back? It's a lack of unity. You want revival? It does not sidestep unity. There the Lord commanded the blessing. Life forevermore a new commandment i give to you love one another as i have loved you by this the whole world will know that you are my disciples okay okay you've rattled my cage long enough what about jesus let's talk about jesus okay well let's talk about jesus he did all these things his ministry of reconciliation, rightly related with his father. No problems there, right? He remained courageous with his identity. His father would say more than once, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, encouraging his son. He reached toward his foes with true humility, did he not? Washed the dirty feet of disciples that were going to abandon him, Check it out. He may have washed Judas' feet. He served Judas the prized sop where you give a piece of bread dipped in, I like to think hummus, but they call it the sop. You did this to the guest of honor, Judas. Got that. He reached toward his foe with true humility. He related to the estranged with great respect. He was not Disrespectful to people that were far from him. Now, if they use their religion to condemn others, he let them have it. He righted real wrong with personal resources. His life. <laughs> right? He reinforced the future with healthy boundaries. He calls us to live according to his commands. And you want to live a life separated from the world? Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Be different. Be contrary. Jesus' Minister of reconciliation recalled his own promises with wise caution. He promised to return, did he not? But he would not tell us the day or the hour or even the season. Acts 1. The Father knows. Only he knows. And so beware of those that throw away the caution and try to set dates for the Lord's promise to come to pass. They don't know. Jesus' ministry of reconciliation retained his household with good dependence. We're his household. He's given us commands, and we must depend upon him to give us the power to do what he's called us to do. I know we're having a lot laid on us today, and I don't want anybody to walk out of here. Oh, my goodness. He will give the power. Because only Jesus can live the Christian life through us. So maybe our problem is we're just a little bit too independent. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Well, Jesus does. But it's impossible to do what he tells us without his help. Help! (laughs) Help! Jesus' ministry of reconciliation reminds us of our covenant with his investment. He instituted the Lord's Supper. We have it available in four stations around the room, reminding us of his broken body and shed blood. His investment in creating this covenant between God and man for us. He remembers and he wants us to remember. The last two points parallel with our own actions. The ministry of Jesus' reconciliation includes our part in this ministry. It includes revering God with worshiping who he is. All I did was praise and all I did was worship. The whole world was mad at me, but now it's different because he did it. Worship who he is. Giving him praise. Now, some of our worship songs gets criticized because it can be man-centered. Wrap me in your arms and all this stuff. But I see those songs as on-ramps. Rather than criticizing the song, look at the song list. We're going somewhere. He takes us from where we are. It's the milk of the gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. He loves me. His love is centered on us, right? We gotta live in that because that is our identity, but then we live from that because we honor him for who he is. A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark never failing. ministry of Jesus' reconciliation continues through us by restoring relationships with his whole family. That's our ministry. And finally, our part in this ministry includes our remembering the covenant he made with us with communion and with worship. This is the ministry of reconciliation. Now all things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I am looking forward to hearing testimonies. I love to hear testimonies of signs, wonders, and miracles, but I, I, I really love to hear testimonies of people that were estranged now enjoying fellowship. That is how the world knows we are his disciples. We used to sing this song. There is a place of commanded blessing where brethren in unity dwell, a place where anointing oil is flowing where we will live as one. You have called us to be one body. You have called us as friends, joined together in the bond of the Spirit until the end. Father, we join with the prayer of Jesus. As you are, so let us be one. Join together in unity and purpose. All for the love of your Son. We will break dividing walls. We will break dividing walls. We will break dividing walls. In the name of your Son, we we will break dividing walls. We will break dividing walls. We will be one. Between the men and the women... And the father and his children, these walls, yes, they're coming down. Between the young and the old, with their traditions grown cold, these walls are coming down. Let's sing it together. We will break dividing walls. We will break dividing walls. We will break dividing walls in the name of your son. We will break dividing walls. We will break dividing walls. walls we will be one. Between the black and the white, the Hispanic and the Asian, those walls, yes, they're coming down. Between the Jew and the Gentile, and all of the nations, those walls are coming down. We will break dividing walls. We will break dividing walls. We will break dividing walls in the name of your Son. We will break dividing walls. We will break dividing walls. We will be one. Between the Baptists and the Methodists, the Presbyterians and the Lutherans, those walls, yes, they're coming down. The Pentecostals and Charismatics and all the other fanatics. Those walls are coming down. We will break dividing walls. We will break dividing walls. We will break dividing walls. In the name of your son, we will break dividing walls. We will break dividing walls. We will be one. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for testimonies. We thank you that for testimonies that have happened, but Lord, we thank you for future testimonies. Lord, we thank you for a greater fulfillment of our calling as ministers of reconciliation. Lord, we thank you for miracles that you're able to do in relationships. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you would neutralize every relationship torpedo. Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, help us to walk in step with you. Help us to be your children. And in the, may the world see us as that by our love for one another. Lord, I thank you for every person here. I pray, Lord, if anyone has a problem with me, Lord, they'd tell me. I should know, I know, but there's just too many of them. So, Lord, help them to, help them to tell me. And those that are still meeting with us online, Lord, if I've done something wrong, Lord, help them to let me know. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Corinthians 11 talks about communion and how some people die early. Some people are weak and sickly because of not treating the Lord's body with respect. And I know we take that as, you know, not discerning the Lord's body. We take that all oh, we got to do communion very carefully, but you don't sidestep the issue by focusing those scriptures on communion. We discern the Lord's body daily, or we don't discern the Lord's body daily, right? So I'd like for us to take communion next Sunday, but search your heart to see if there's there's some things you can do in reconciling with those you're estranged from, and then come expect them to take communion with full blessing. For years, I've pastored and observed people abstaining from communion because everything's not right in their relationships. Well, it's like that sidestepping the issue. The, the communion elements do not become poison if things are not right in our life. I think it's an answered prayer thing. If things are not right, and we're you know we're disrespecting our spouses or whatever's going on. Um, it impacts God's blessing in our life and. The celebration of his blessing is the table of remembrance, is it not? So, next Sunday, I'd like to take communion together, having us with God's guidance leading us in this area. Can we do that? Is there anybody here today that could use some prayer? Just raise your hand up. Hold your hand up. Anybody here needing prayer? I see, okay, I see hand here, some hands here, some hands there. Keep your hand up till someone comes near you. All right, body of Christ, look around. Let's discern the Lord's body today. Find someone with their hand raised up and go and pray with them. Can you do that? that. I will call upon your name. Lord, we ask you to heal. We ask you to give wisdom. We ask you to encourage. Ask you, Lord, to provide. Whatever these needs are, we lift them up.